Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Welcome to the AFTN Podcast. I am Joe DC, and this week I'm joined by Gideon Hill. Hey Joe, I want to say first off congratulations on the newest member of your family. I think that's why I missed out uh, hosting a month ago, so congratulations on the newest beautiful daughter in the family, and uh, glad to have you back on the show. Thanks, thanks. Um, First of all, thank you for the kind words. Secondly, you know know when um, you're a second division manager of a team and you've got a really good player and a scout comes to town and you tell the player, you know, maybe don't go score an Olympico and then a scorpion kick. Like that, that's how I felt when you hosted the show, you know, AFTN is a brutal <laughs> business. AFTN is a brutal, like, I know we all laugh and we joke, but you know, Zach and Steve, they, they're nice to each other on the show, but they haven't spoken to each other in years. You know, like outside, outside of recording, you know, it's so Gideon, like, just, just watch it. That's all I'm saying. You know, don't, don't shine so much when it's your turn to host. That's okay with you. I appreciate the kickback. I really do. I have to watch my back now on the soccer field and off of it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Gideon, there's a lot of football happening. Um, Not Whitecaps football, thankfully. Um, How are you enjoying the Euros so far? Lovely. Um, it's been hard to watch it with my work schedule, but I definitely try and plan my lunch breaks uh, wisely to watch the last bit of a game or come home and, and watch a bit of recording or, or whatnot. But it's been great. I think not, you know, having this kind of international level soccer for what, two, two years now, two and a half years, it's just been excellent. I think that to have this, you know, Gold Cup and then some of the Olympics soccer as well, it's just great to have everything lined up all in one, one fell swoop here. Yeah, the, the like tor- nothing like tournament uh, football at the end of the day. Um, like I think we're we're still at three games a day for another week or so, and then it goes to two games a day, and then then the knockout starts. So it's it's just overload. Um, you're right. Like time difference is tough for us here on the West Coast, but uh, yeah, it's just great to have so mu- so much buzz in the uh, in the soccer sphere. Who who do you have to win the whole thing? Well, my allegiance is Holland. Um, but I just don't think they have the strength to do it and the, the, the depth and the defending without Virgil van Dijk. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with France. I think they, their midfield is just unstoppable. They didn't look great yesterday against Germany, but um, yeah, I think they have the capability to win it and go back-to-back in the World Cup and the, the Euros. 
yeah, we're, we're recording this on, on Wednesday the 16th. And I think Italy, they won, they won big today. I think it was three nil. Um, yeah. They looked really solid. Like they're, mm-hmm. they've always been a good defensive team, but their forwards seem to have clicked and their midfielders are contributing goals as well. Um, so I, I've got a sneaky feeling about Italy. Yeah, I, they're they're an interesting team. I think they're kind of undergoing a, a phase where they're not really sure what team they are. Like you move on from Buffon, but you still have Giorgio Chiellini and Bonucci as your defenders. And then up top, you have a 31-year-old Lorenzo Insignia, who's just, you know, one of the best players in, you know, European football. So they're they're young, but they're also very experienced and they can, you know, score and at any moment and keep, I think they've kept two clean sheets now to start the tournament against Turkey. Um, and then today, so that, um, that's huge to them against Switzerland. I think they haven't conceded a goal in like something like seven games or something like that. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Buffon who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Donnarumma's, he just signed for PSG, so, um, you know, big, well, well, Kaylor Navas can't catch a break, it seems, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> um, cool. From, uh, from European international soccer to Canadian uh, national soccer, how relieved are you that Canada made it past Haiti and into the octagon? I was scared until I realized that four of the Haitian players, or however many it was, wouldn't make the trip, including their their goalkeeper. And I think they were a little probably miffed at the fact that their backup, who was, I guess, I've heard Canadian, let in that awful own goal. So I'm, I'm relieved in the fact that it wasn't a tougher nation that we had to play. I think that there's a couple of players like Etienne Jr. on Haiti that really scares me, but they just didn't have a complete team. You know, they keep the ball well, but they just couldn't do anything offensively. And I didn't think that was good for Canada, but there's definitely more tests ahead here. I like that a goal went viral and it was in for Canada's favor, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, the other, yeah. other way around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't want to be, you don't want to be a, a Haitian right now, I guess. With It, it was the, the own goal was just, you know, it's happened to all of us, right? Anyone who's played the game has accidentally mm-hmm. touched the ball with their standing foot and, you know, missed it. But yeah, it, it was yeah. just comical. I think it just it made the you know made the news more was more publicized because of the fact that it was already like Canada was already winning the game, and I think if the game didn't go that way, you probably wouldn't talk about that that goal as much, maybe not as much. But the fact that the game was going Canada's way and that kind of just added to the comical effect of you know the goalkeeping in that game. Um, I think it really added to the the good times for Canadian fans. Yeah, and that was probably like the decisive goal too, right? You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been covered enough that game. I, th- I think we're okay to move on. Before we get into, um, I guess we have to get back into the Whitecaps headspace, as difficult as that will be. Gideon, uh, so we're playing, uh, what we, the Whitecaps, are playing uh, Salt Rail Salt Lake this week. Does it matter if it's home or away? Both teams are based, <laughs> are based in uh, yeah. Utah. <laughs> it's a bit weird. I think both teams will be used to the 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 climate there it's a little bit higher in altitude yeah i mean i think rsl probably be more comfortable i they'll probably have lots in the building they have two games in five the next five games which is the white cap so two of the five are against vancouver so they'll definitely have fans in the stands here both those games um whether that be rsl fans or not and i'm sure there's some kind of season ticket deal for them so yeah i think rsl has the advantage but i think the white caps can can capitalize and use that against their favor going to I guess, quote-unquote, hostile environment. RSL sold out, I think, four in a row this year or something like that. So, Oh, that's that's impressive. Um, speaking of, like, climate, I, the, the atmosphere should be good, but I've, I've heard that the temperatures down there are are really high at the moment. I think for 
for the past few days, it's been above 30 Celsius. And for wow. game day, it'll be in the high 20s. So um, we've seen temperature impact how a game goes, right? Before, like, mm-hmm. teams running mm-hmm. out of energy, especially if they're playing in, like, Florida or something. Yeah, and you bring up an interesting point, like, how how much will that affect the game? Like, we know that the Whitecaps have played in Orlando this year against TFC, like, early on in the year. But I think they really struggled to get momentum in that game and really, you know, take the momentum from the game before the season opener and really apply it to TFC. And I mean, coming off the what three week break, it's definitely not going to be easy playing in the heat and the humidity, not, you know, it's not Florida weather, but it's definitely tough right out of the gates and we'll see how, how they perform in this one. Yeah. Uh, well, Real Salt Lake, similar breaks, the Whitecaps haven't played since uh, the end of May. Um, but they're coming off three straight draws. They sit at nine points, uh, so two two higher than the Whitecaps at the moment. And uh, yeah, the, the their last win was the first of May. Like they started with two wins, lost a game, and then drew three in a row. Um, the last one against Minnesota United. So definitely a team also kind of needing a win to make sure uh, they don't they don't become a team that's sliding down the state the standings. Yeah, and I think their start definitely surprised a lot of people. I think Freddie Juarez came in as a coach a couple of years ago, you know, with that whole um, issues with Mike Peck, he, um, you know, and, and how that went about. So I think he's a good good young coach. He, this is a RSL team from my town anyway. It says 13 homegrown players. Kind of they're up against Dallas for the league lead for that. So they're very young. And I think that they're catered to, to fast play. They have a lot of attack-heavy players, which I'm sure we'll get into. but. Um, I think it's just more concerning defensively that, you know, Justin Glad is a quality player, but they just need to make sure they score as well as keep the ball out of the net because you definitely need those two facets of your game in MLS, um, regardless of, of who you're playing. Yeah, they're, they're pretty loyal to the the four two three one formation, which uh, I think mo- most of the – a big reason you play a four two three one is you have a lot of good midfielders and you want to get them all in the team. And I think the, the beating heart of their team is, uh, is Creel Ash. Um, he's leading them in most metrics at the moment as three goals, three assists. And yeah, he's, he's a very interesting attacking midfielder. He's like very strong and powerful, but definitely has, you know, that silky touch or the finesse to finish a shot. Um, do you see him as the biggest threat in the RSL side, Gideon? Yeah, and I think him and I mean defensively, Krilash is 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 very reliable, and I think Rusnak as well on the other side, like on the flip of the coin, the same coin, but on the other side is um, is Abel Rusnak, like a guy who you know is a creative minded player. He definitely gets a lot of maybe didn't get play as much as he wanted to last year, contributed a lot. Um, but yeah, I think Krilash is the beating heart of this team, as you so eloquently put, and I think Rusnak's definitely offensive weapon and. They're really built well through the middle with Glad and Krylaush and um, Rusnak and then up front with Rubin. So, or Rubin, sorry. So, yeah, they're, they're built well, and I think Krylaush is the, the straw that stirs a drink for them. And they have Justin Merrim, too, who's popped up in RSL. He's been around a few teams in the last few years, but an effective MLS uh, a player. Yeah, he bounced around from Columbus, Orlando. Was he at Inter-Miami for a bit, or am I imagining that? No, I think... Everyone seems to have popped up in Inter-Miami at some point. (laughs) We'll have to to get into Gonzalo Higuain's comments. They were pretty funny. I don't know if you saw them or not, but... I did. um, He said, was was it... um, (laughs) I thought I would be... I thought I would play a game 
like with a cigarette in my mouth, but it's actually been quite difficult or something <laughs> like that. How bad do you feel for his brother, Federico? He's just been in this league for like five, six years. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet oh, in, the, in the Higuain household, uh, Federico's like, I told you it's not that easy. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, like just to summarize on, on, uh, on RSL, like I don't think we're expecting an easy game. A, a draw would probably be a good result for the Whitecaps. We'll, we'll get into the Whitecaps tactics a bit more uh, in a second, but um, RSL have dangerous players for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they'll be aided by the, the signing of Jonathan Menendez, who they just signed before the um, the transfer window closed from Independiente in Argentina. And they have Bobby Wood, who's a U.S. international from Germany. So they're definitely adding to their attacking corps. Again, I think it's just defensively that they need to to be worried about. But if they have a full-strength team, maybe including those two for the weekend, I, I would be concerned with the Whitecaps. But given their form, I think Vancouver, I mean, Vancouver's form as well has been amazing. But I think both teams will be very hungry for W on, on Friday night in Salt Lake. Yes, indeed. It must be nice for them to be able to actually sign players. It seems like the Whitecaps have been stagnant on that front for, for so long. We're still waiting for that number 10, Axel, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> he's a big fan, that's why I say I say that. Um, let, let's get into the Whitecaps then. Really need a win. Like I don't know about you, but after the last game, I definitely got that feeling in my gust where I was starting to get a little bit worried for Mark Dos Santos. What, what are you feeling at the moment? Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely disappointed in the start. I think given the quality of players they've signed um, and the, you know, development they put into the squad, like using Valdissimo more as an offensive weapon, as well as defensive weapon, like they've signed these great players, you know, MLS caliber players, I should say, not huge DPs, but, like Gaspar and Alexandre, you know, and acquiring Brian White, who in his own is, is a good pickup. So I, I'm i disappointed with where they are, given the, the squad depth they built. I definitely think that they would, you know, have a few wins by now. But, um, yeah, I, I know if Schuster has said that MDS is safe to the end of the year. But, man, you, you feel like if they're going to – this is, what, his third season now? And if they're going to keep going on the trend they are by drawing or losing, you know, almost every every second or third game, like – you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, if they lose this game, they'll fall on the wrong side of the point-per-game average, um, which is which by itself isn't even enough to get you into the playoffs, right? You need mm-hmm. uh, you probably need, you know, 40 or 48 points or something to get to the – to reasonably reach the playoffs. So, like, it's definitely not – it hasn't been good enough up to this point. But who knows, a couple of wins. I think the, the schedule has gone from really sparse – to you know very very busy in the next uh next few weeks i think there is a week between or there's five days between uh this game and the la galaxy game and then i think the next one after that's pretty quick after as well so you know generate some momentum against rsl a win would be great goals for some players who really need goals i think the only person who's scored enough has been Christian Dahomey. You would ideally like Caicedo to get another few. Cavallini got that, uh, got that one and, and he's supposed to be our big, our big goal scorer. Just, you feel like the team needs a bit of a shock of confidence before uh, this becomes a real slide. Yeah. I mean, I hate to, to point the finger at the number 10 position, but you see all these other teams in MLS having success with number 10s. Like, 
You see Portland winning MLS Cup final with Valeri, who's attacking that. And Atlanta, Almiron, like Jovinko. Like, there's so many different examples you could bring up for having an attacking midfielder. And maybe that's not the case with Vancouver. Maybe they have other uh, sources of quality and attacking presence to to make, you know, get them to the next level. But you just don't see that right in this lineup, Joe. And I, I think it's definitely concerning because you have a lot of those guys like Casado and Dahomey and Kevlin who are full of quality. You know, they're they're big money players in the sense, you know, Whitecaps side of things, but they're just not getting the service. They're not scoring. They're not getting help and support. So I definitely think that the, the answer to their problems will be number 10, but it's clearly not an, an urgency or something that they're going to be able to pull the trigger on right now. So you just kind of have to, you know, tap your fingers and wait for, for something to happen on that front. Yeah. If I, if I asked you, if I give you a, a quick quiz, um, who has the most key passes per game? for the white caps so far um who Ooh. what would your educated guess be i'd say either baldissimo or rose i'm going to say off that's offensively right offensive yes. key pass or just yeah okay um i'm going to say baldissimo interesting uh i think he hasn't had one key well key pass is a very subjective thing right it's you know the person who's tracking the game calls it a key pass it's actually christian gutierrez close to two key passes mm. per game um he, he has a two assists so i guess an assist in its nature sometimes is a key pass but um there's only there's only one other player that's above one key pass per game and that's caicedo um and yeah uh theo bear who's had two substitute appearances has one key pass per game so that means he comes on the pitch and makes a key pass and then leaves basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't, that, that doesn't speak to me. Like there's a, a thriving midfield. Um, if anything, it, that makes it look like there's a midfield void and you know, that's, that adds up to needing a number 10, I guess. I mean, I wasn't far off my assessment of saying Andy Rose would probably lead the team in key passes. So that was a, that was kind of a shot in the dark, but yeah, I could expect Gutierrez. I've really been impressed with him. And I think without him, if Adan was gone, I think I definitely would have been worried, but he's been a, a great, he's picked up last year. He didn't play a whole lot. So I'm glad he's given the chance. And I mean, full credit to him with thriving in that left wing back position for some of this year. Andy Rose is tied for second on goals with one <laughs> for the team. So not much it's, of a challenge there. It's just depressing reading from, <laughs> from top to bottom here. Um, yeah. So we we know that um, Mark Dos Santos sometimes can be called a tinker, I guess, of, of formation. Do you think a formation change is needed? We've seen a 4-4-2 most of the time up to this point. Some murmur or some calls on Twitter for a three at the back to shore it up. What do you think? I mean, I don't think from my perspective, the defending is, you know, at the four. It's not that they're giving up four, three, four goals a game. Um, I definitely think they could have avoided some of those, one of the two Houston goals. I think it was the Rudy goal that was just poorly done, but I think that they need to spearhead the attack more and whether that be a four, three, three, if they they have so many, like a plethora of midfielders, we talked about this before, Joe, how many guys they have in the midfield, like depth wise at five or six guys. And, you know, you you don't have a number 10, you know, use your midfielders to advantage. You have one sit back and two, maybe press forward. And you have Caicedo and Dahoma on either side of maybe White or Cavalini or Bear, whatever, you know, happens to work out. But you have these, you know, your weapons in midfield, like have them all on the pitch at the same time, see what happens. Like, 
I'd like to love to see that happen, but I just don't think that MDX will do it. But other than that, I think um, you know you stick with the status quo, the four four two. Yeah, I I think now that you say that, you're right. Like seven games so far, or sorry, six games so far, conceded seven goals. That's not terrible, um, but you've only scored five. So mm. you know, bringing in Weiss, like trading for Weiss, is definitely a sign that it's it's a a move that that telegraphs we don't have goal scorers we need another option um yeah that that five five goals in in six games is nowhere close to being enough you, you would you'd want to see that at like you know 12 goals so far so um yeah a, a formation change would be an interesting thing like with with a 352 you're still you still have two strikers like compared to a 442 it's not it's not like you're completely reinventing the wheel up front. Um, mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that MDS has said about, you know, the wingers need to cross earlier before the defenders are set. Um, after I listened to that, I noticed that the, the wingers were definitely crossing it earlier. But the problem there was that while the defenders weren't set, the strikers also weren't ready or in the right position <laughs> to attack the ball. So, yeah, um, uh. you know, it's good to kind of catch the defender. Point. Yeah, exactly. It's good to catch the defender out, but you're also catching your own attacker out. And uh, if anything, since that tweak has been made, the Whitecaps' goal scoring has gotten even worse. Like, like one goal in the last, like. So if the defenders aren't set and the strikers aren't set, hopefully the goalie's not set. So somehow that ball can end up in the net. Anyway, that's a story for another day. But <laughs> you're asking kind them of to shoot. <laughs> That's called shooting, Gideon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Depends yeah. from the position they're in. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about let's go through the team and um, and see, you know, assuming we stick with the 4 4 2, what our teams look like. I think Crepo in goal uh, is kind of a, a, an obvious one. Any, any mm-hmm. disagreement there? Oh, no. No, not at all. Cool. Uh, in the back line, um, we could see Gaspar at right back or maybe Nerwinski. Um, They're both out from what I hear. Oh, yes, you're, you're right. So maybe Brown will slot in. Yeah, um, I think that's that's where they're going to go. He's looked good in the limited time he's had, so I'm not too too worried about that. In centre-back, it'll be interesting if we can get Cornelius and Godoy or maybe Andy Rose drops in there. He, he hasn't been too bad, Andy Rose. Um, I, I'm always a little bit worried because he's not very fast, but he's done okay so far, I think. Yeah, I mean, Jane Brown played well in Houston in his first start, if I remember correctly, at left back. So out of position, um, I mean, he's the only option at right back, so that's where you have these depth draft players. But yeah, I think in this case, Rose will probably slot in, just given how inexperienced Brown is and how experienced Rose is. And then I think maybe to the left of Rose, it'll be Godoy, who's probably your best defender. I'd love to see Veselinovich, but in this case, if Brown... You know, if Brown and Veselinovich are on the same pitch, they're, what, just just under 23 or 22. Like, that's a lot of an experience. So, I think MDS loves his experience. So, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. And then another young defender in Gutierrez on the left, um, mm-hmm. who has to start. Yeah, so like that's the, three guys. Yeah. yeah. He's the yeah. first name on the team sheet nowadays, which is a story in itself. Um, <laughs> on the wing, let's, let's leave left wing open for a second because – it's kind of a bigger topic, but in the center of midfield, you know, you could see um, Awusu, I think. He's probably back by now. 
you could see Baldissimo. I'm, I'm not sure if uh, Bikel is available um, or uh, Caio Alex- Alexandre. Um, we've got four players there, two spots. Which, uh, which player would you go for? I think you have to roll it, you know, roll with Alexandre and Bikel. I think they've kind of complemented each other well. Alexandre is your money guy. You don't want to have him sitting on the bench. I think it's a toss-up between Uso, Bikel, and Baldissimo. But I know only Ricketts, Gaspar, and Nerwinski are out. So that leaves a lot of options in midfield for MDS, which isn't a bad thing. You like to have those headaches, but it's whoever showed up in practice. But I think it'll be Alexandre and Bikel in, in midfield. Mm-hmm. And we for the for the front three, so the right winger and the two forwards, up to this point, we've seen uh, Caicedo, um, Dahomey and Cavallini kind of fluidly interchange mm-hmm. in those three spots. Mm-hmm. Do you think the addition of Brian Weiss changes that or will we see the same front three? I, I think so. You know, I given that, you know, as we talked about numerous times, the no number 10, where does your creativity come from? It's going to have to come from up front with the two. So I think Kaiseido and Dahomey, who can really provide a lot going forward, and then maybe later in the game, if the Whitecaps are winning, you kind of go to a 4-3-3 and compress, and then you bring on Tybert to replace one of those two. So I definitely think White and Cavallini wouldn't be the worst option. Maybe even like a Raposo in behind Cavallini, like a 4-4-1-1. I don't know. It, it's just about distribution of those two. You have two tall, tall, bulky guys who can really finish, but it's about getting the ball into them, which Gutierrez brings. So... Um, I could definitely see those two starting up top. It's just a matter of who you bring off the bench. You'd only have Theo Bear, who's been hit and miss uh, form-wise this year. So, Hey, one key pass a game doesn't lie. <laughs> oh, I'm not trashing on the key pass. It's just more what you know what we've heard from training and whatnot. But, yeah, that's a good yes. stat for him yeah. to, to hold in his back pocket. The subtext is very, very rich with uh, with Theo Bear. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got potential. He's really well-raced on football manager. Um, so... Uh, there's always that to go with. Um, you mentioned Weiss and Cavallini playing. I think, and I agree with you, that we'll see Weiss and Cavallini up front and Dahomey and um, Caicedo on the wing, which means Tybert would drop to the bench or he would fill in in the midfield um, if you really want, if if MDS really wanted a runner in there. So I, I think we're, we, we're going to see some change. Um, and the fact that you have two, uh, let's call them target men, means that we might see a bit more direct passing um, or crosses from deep for the wingers, I guess. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, On Friday morning, we're going to watch Harry Kane, you know, and on uh, Friday night, we're going to watch people kick 40-yard balls at Lucas Cavallini's head and hope one of them goes up. What a a comparison. What a comparison. We have to trash Scotland while we're at it. You know, because England's playing Scotland, so that will Ooh. be that'll be a really good game. Oh yeah, that'll be you know two countries that probably don't like each other at the moment. How many red cards are you are you thinking? Five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> probably one. I'm not even joking. Like the way that Scotland plays, they're very rugged. They're not a, a highly you know entertaining team. So I definitely think that they could they could do some damage to England or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well. Gideon, I think we'll we'll suffer through this next fight caps game together. Hopefully they make it out the other end unscathed. Um, would you like to tell everyone where they can find you online? At underscore Gideon Hill on Twitter. And you can find me at Joe DC Van. Thank you very much for listening to episode 461 of the AFTN podcast. Enjoy the game. Got 
go into your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E.F.